Seed Hope Network Ministries began by Lynn Anderson in 1996. And Lynn now is 81 years old, and he turned over that ministry to us too. And there's about 18 partners and a few others that do work, interim ministry, consulting with churches, helping leadership development, uh, preaching at various places. And uh, we've been in about 400 churches in five years, the whole group, and worked with about 600 leaders in some kind of form or fashion. So I'm learning every time I do something. I mean, you know, I, I think I know something, and the older you get, the... I used to think that the pile of knowledge, as the older you get, the knowledge pile is just huge. The truth is, you just throw out stuff that doesn't matter, right? As you get older and you hold on to what really matters. So that's a little bit about me, and that's enough about me. Um, I also am the director of church resources at Oklahoma Christian. I attended Oklahoma Christian, Abilene Christian, and was headed to A&M. I went, moved down there, met my wife, and um, it's all over after that, you know. So anyway, that's my background. If you have any questions, okay, let's move on. That's, that's, the, that's the way you do it in Bible class. Any questions? Nope, let's move on to the next verse, all right? So, uh, I'm glad to be here. I do co-lead Hope Network and work with interim ministry partners. Uh, in the Churches of Christ, we th have different views of what interim ministry is, so I want to walk you through, wrong way. There we go. I want to start with this. What do you notice about this? I mean, if you're a very intelligent person or less intelligent, you can figure this one out. What's wrong with this picture? There's a bridge going nowhere. Now, why in the world would somebody build a bridge like that? Now, they weren't Aggies that did that. I'm Trust me, they weren't, okay? Why in the world would you do that? Well, they didn't do that. In 1999, Hurricane Mitch... You know something about disaster here in Paris, don't you? Hurricane Mitch hit Honduras. This is the Choloteca Bridge. Now that bridge, Honduras is one of the poorest uh, countries in the entire world and one of the most illiterate in the world. Good people, been there several times. But what happened was they consulted with the Japanese engineers to build the bridge that would withstand a hurricane. Well, it did. The problem is... The hurricane rerouted the river away from the bridge. Isn't that interesting? So what do you do when that happens in your life? You either build, well, they're pretty poor. They used all their money. They couldn't do that. They thought, well, we need to talk to Japanese about rerouting the river back under the bridge. Well, they said, that's, all, that's, that's more expensive than the bridge. So they, they, they studied it like everybody does, like all governments. We study it and study it and study it and get paralysis from analysis. And what they decided to do is do nothing. Now, that was an important bridge in Honduras, the Choloteca River, because that bridge uh, kept people from going 10 miles out of the way to get commerce and get vegetables and, and agriculture across the, uh, the river. Well, it is now a tourist attraction. They charge people to go near it and on it. That's what it is. Well, I thought we were here to talk about the Bible and about Lamar Avenue. Unless you're just a totally asleep, there's been a shift in our culture, right? Can we get eight? It's all right, say amens here, all right? There's been a huge shift in our culture, and just underneath the surface, many of us are very anxious about the direction of our country, our state, our families, what we, the, the cultural center that's held us together, to a large extent, is almost gone. Morals, ethics, 
things that hold us together, we're really struggling. Do you agree with that? And you feel it in your bones, don't you? I mean, you hear it. And I don't even trust the media. I don't watch hardly any news anymore. I don't trust any of them. I mean, they, I just don't. I don't care who it is. I just read my Bible and deal with people because I'm so tired of watching the news that creates anxiety. It creates anxiety, constantly creates anxiety. And so that's how we all feel. A lot of us, anyway, that's a big statement. We feel this anxiety. The culture has shifted, the river has moved, and here's the church. Now you tell me some of the implications of that. If we're feeling this anxiety, and we're seeing churches aging, and we're seeing young people not sticking with church as we know it, okay, what in the world? Does that mean they don't care about God? Does that mean they don't care about the spirit? Does that mean they don't care about spiritual growth? Does that mean they don't care about morals or ethics? Yes, no, maybe some, you know, it's all over the map. But here's the reality. The reality is this. The culture has shifted and the church is anxious. Anybody disagree with that? Well, I got faith in God and I believe in the Bible and I believe in the gospel and I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe, that's why I gather here on Sunday morning, preacher. Absolutely, that's true. Without a doubt, that's true. But we still have this anxiety just below the surface in our lives. Now, the younger people don't feel it quite as much. They're in the middle of it. They see opportunities. There, there are some spiritual renewal happening in, in Western Europe and, and that hasn't happened in centuries. There's some spiritual renewal happening in the, the Christianity as a whole, the gospel, is alive and well in Africa, in South America. It is incredible how many people are yearning for spiritual stuff. 30 years ago, we predicted, or I didn't, but there was predictions that there would be African missionaries coming to the United States to evangelize us. It's happening now. It's happening now. So what's a church in Lamar Lamar Avenue in Paris, Texas, town of 25,000, commerce area around here, 50,000. Good people, solid people, people that show up for worship on, and Bible class on a Sunday morning, 9 o'clock. What are we going to do? So I want you to think about this picture. What if the bridge is the church and the river is the culture and we keep doing exactly what we've been doing, holding services, being good people, and, and where are we going to be in 20 years? 10 years. It's a, it's a good question, isn't it? It's what leadership does. Leadership's not concerned about the present. The leadership's always concerned about where are we headed? Where are we going? How do we get there? How do we navigate this? Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. Leadership is always saying, what's the future? How do we live into God's future? What's God's intent? What does it mean to do the basics well? Do the basics well. I coached uh, Little League basketball for a long time. I was a physical education coach before I got in ministry, coached basketball and baseball. And so uh, I coached this little, little league basketball. And I put out a little booklet about what I expected from parents and how they should act at a game. That went real well. I put together a thing called, I'm going to put the fun back in fundamentals. Every kid's going to play. I was going to, because my philosophy was, Get back to basics. Dribble right. Defense right. Move your feet right. The basics, the basics, the basics, the basics, the basics. I drilled the basics. We'd practice these little fourth and fifth grade kids, you know, 
I had a girls team with my daughter and I had a boys team with my son and they'd say, Coach King, can we just shoot the basketball? We just want to make goals. And I said, you're going to learn to dribble right. You're going to learn to pass the ball. And you, my little friend, you're a little ball hog. And your daddy's out there hollering you to shoot the ball every time and I'll talk to him after this practice. Oh, my daddy, my daddy, you don't want to talk to my daddy. I said, yes, I do. So after practice, I went up to this little girl's dad, and I said, sir, I am so glad you're here to support your daughter. I'm trying to teach them fundamentals. I'm trying to teach them the basics of what it means to be a basketball player. And shooting is one aspect of that, but most of our points are going to come off of defense, not offense. Offense comes from defense. Well, you know, they're kids. Just get out there and let them have fun. They'll learn all that other stuff later. If you don't learn it when you're young, you're not going to learn it later. Here's my point. What's the basics of Lamar Avenue Church of Christ? What's the foundation? Not of who you've been since the 1800s. I've seen on, I know most of the, all the preachers on the bottom row, about half of them on the second row, couple on the third row by reputation, and I honestly don't know any of them personally on the top row back to 1800. I'm just letting you know, 1888. I just don't. But what's the basics? So Interim Ministry Partners is not here to tell you what you believe and who you are. We're here to challenge some of those things. We're not here to decide your preacher. That's the elders and the search team's responsibility. We're here to guide you through a process. So Interim Ministry Partners is a division of Hope Network, and you're in a time of transition as Patrick has left, okay, I will be with you two Sundays a month preaching and working with the search team on two Saturdays a month, most Saturdays that is, for probably six to seven months. Because it takes time to know who you are as a church now. Kind of like, all right, here's where we've been. Here's what we've done. Here's who we are. Let's, 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 let's revisit this stuff. With me? No humor right now, okay, all right, all right. That just tells you, you can't see that anyway. My eyes are too bad, I, terrible. But basically it shows the growth of the number of churches we work with in full time in doing this kind of work, and I'll move on past that. When you talk about interim ministry, it's like who's the interim coach? You're not going to be the full-time coach. You're just covering us until we can find a full-time coach. Everybody's familiar with that uh, recently with... Um, Baylor University and other universities. So in Churches of Christ, our first generation of interim, meaning in between times, had to do with, let's just get somebody to preach for us on a Sunday, use some men in the church, and let's hire a preacher as quickly as possible because we got to have that. You know what I'm saying? That was the first generation of interim ministry that it paid no attention to who you are as a church, and whether that man's a good fit or not. Well, he preaches the Bible, he preaches the truth, he preaches the gospel, but it didn't pay any attention to who the church has been, where the, who the church is, what the church is like, what's your values, what's your character, what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses. It, it, it paid no attention to that. Some people say, well, just hire the preacher, preach the gospel, build on strengths, ignore weaknesses. If you ignore weaknesses long enough, they will take you down. It's like back to fundamentals. If you ignore fundamentals, that you will lose. You will lose. 
And so the second generation at interim is who we are. It's more like a path along a road. The first thing is we provide consistent pulpit presence. And this, here's, who, here's who it's going to be now. If the elders can speak up and help me. It's going to be me two times a month, and it's going to be John Cannon two times a month, and occasionally men from this church are going to share, young people from this church are going to share. How long is this search going to take us? Minimum six months. I'll let that sit for a while. Minimum six months. Why? Patrick was here a long time. He was part of this family system. He wasn't just an employee of the church. He's part of your family. It takes time to work through things. It takes time to get to the point you're saying, all right, we're ready, let's go. We love, we love Patrick, but let's, let's go. And so it takes time to work through things to know who you are as a church. Um, who can I use that's obnoxious? Well, that'd be... Uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's really true. Would you stand right here? Keith? You're the first person that well, I've said that to that actually raised their hand and admitted you were obnoxious. I need somebody over. Jimmy, can you talk loud? You're an old truck driver. Can you stand right there? I got a Tennessee volunteer to do something that an Aggie asked him to do. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, Jimmy, you, can you speak loud like an old trucker hollering at a flat tire or something? Okay, I, here's what I want you to holler. All I want you to do is start soft and get louder and louder and louder. You ready? Here's your phrase. Can you remember this? You're from Tennessee. All right, here we go. It's all right. My roots are Tennessee, too. Here's the phrase. Find us a preacher. Find us a preacher. Find us a preacher. Just start with that. Just start talking. I can't hear you, Jimmy. Jimmy, you've got to get to the 30-yard line. You're, this, play the, this is a football field. You've got to holler to the 30-yard line. They need to hear you back there. There's the 30-yard line, all right? Start soft and go, but you've got to go quick because I don't have all day to do this. Now, Fred, George, Henry, Keith, whatever your name is. Bill today. Bill today. Yours is, who in, the, who, in the world, who in the world are we as a church? Who in the world are we as a church? Who in the world are we? Who in the world are we? Just talk to them. Can you guys hear him very much? Say no. Now holler at him. Holler at him. Hey, Bill, holler at him. All right. Give him a big hand. I, uh, man, I love old Jimmy. He almost bought me lunch yesterday, but he chickened out. That's not quite how it went. Well, why do I do that? Because some, some of us here in the church are going, get four elders, go out and listen to some guys, find us a preacher, do it quickly, and let's get on with this. Find us a preacher, find us a preacher. Well, over here is what a lot of what we do the next three or four months that's going to be kind of have different aspects to it, but it's, uh, this is find us a preacher, find us a preacher. What, what Bill, Fred, Henry, Keith, whatever his name is, Mr. Obnoxious, he'll never live that down. What, what he does is, is saying, who are we as a church? Both of those are going to happen simultaneously over the next six to seven months with the work of interim ministry partners. Now, we guide the process. I'm like a process coach because I've done this several times. 
I'm not telling you. I'm giving you the, the tools. We're giving you the tools. We're giving you the basics. We're giving you the, the technology, the templates, the communications. We're doing all of that, but your team is doing the work. So you'll have a chairman of a search team, and you'll have different people. You'll have a prayer chair, and you'll have all these different roles. What we provide is consistent pulpit, pulpit presence, kind of consulting relationship with how do we go about finding a preacher? How do we go about finding a preacher? And how do we find out who we are as a church? How do we find out who we are as a church? Now, the last thing you need or we need or the elders need is this. Oh, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. We don't need you on the sidelines, folks. We need you to begin praying right now, right now, for what God's Spirit is trying to do in this church for a positive, healthy future. So, the third thing we do is pr provide search process guidance. Now, here are the opportunities during this time. Some people have the idea that we're just going to fold our arms and wait, like I said, to see who shows up. No, 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 no. There's lots of ministry that goes on in this church and lots of things that need to happen. It's a time to celebrate. And we'll do that on a noon potluck luncheon and a little exercise where we're sharing the history of this church at tables and your memories and your experiences. It'll be a good opportunity, even for introverts that don't like to talk, okay? I understand. I'm married to one. Celebration, we, hearing the call of God. We're going to clarify your mission, which is very, very good. My co-leader, John Mulliken with Hope Network, has done work with your elders and others, vision team. Bolster congregational leadership. This search team will produce new leaders in your church as they build community with each other. We'll uh, address church culture issues. Every church has a culture. Every church has a culture. If you don't believe it, ask the newest member here and just sit down and talk to them and say, what do you sense here? What, do you understand? what questions do you have here? Now they'll ask you questions, and your answer will be, well, that's just Lamar Avenue. We've just always done it that way. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I need to understand why it's that way. Does that make sense? There is a church culture here. Um, I was a preaching minister with seven ministers of staff at the South MacArthur Church for 15 years in Irving. And uh, I was in charge of staff reviews, and then I would report to the elders, and the elders would review me, and uh, that's the way we set up that function. And after we, we would hire or employ a new minister on staff, and after about six months, I'd take him to lunch, and I'd say, well, are you ready? He said, oh, is this my six-month review? I said, no, it's our six-month review. What? It's our six-month review. You've been here six months. I've been in this system a long time. You tell me what you're seeing, what questions you have. You evaluate us. He said, I've never heard anything like this in my life. I'm the one supposed to be evaluating. And I said, nope, we're turning it upside down because we've been here so long, and I've been doing this so long, I may not see how I function, how I lead, what issues we need to address. Every church has a culture. Doesn't mean it's bad just means we need to recognize it and if you want to recognize it all you have to do is take one of the newer members to lunch and say you've been here three or four years what do you see what do you notice that's all you got to do I'd encourage you to do it I met a couple of them yesterday I'd encourage you to do it because if the only answer you have is well, that's just Lamar we've always done it that way it's not good enough you got to know why you do what you do it's purpose meaning function focus all right 
refocus on uh, ministry issues, refocus on matters that matter, matters that matter, isn't that good? Church systems, every church has a system, how they organize, how they function, who's in charge, are they empowered to lead or are they not, are they bottlenecked because decisions can't be made, okay? Uh, listening to neighbors, you're going to actually listen to some of your neighbors, that's part of the process, going to do community interviews, what do you know about us, what do you know about... Sometimes the community has a better understanding of who we are and they have a higher view of who we are as a compassionate, merciful people than we do among ourselves when we evaluate ourselves. Sometimes it happens. So you'll interview police officers, school teachers, coaches, uh, social workers, people in medical community. What's going on in this community? What struggles does this community have? Why do you do that? To help turn the church outward, to serve the community, to build relationships for the sake of the gospel. That's why we do that. Am I talking too fast? I talk fast, I'm sorry. Uh, and then we find the new guy. The new guy is part of it as well. Right, I'll give you opportunity for questions. I'll keep moving. Uh, this is a spirit-driven process. It's not just an HR process. Get some resumes, put it together, come up with a few things on paper, let's go on. Nope. The Spirit of God searches all things. You can't see that. but And then this is a... Uh, a process that has to do with being God's calling. Jesus called some to go on the mountain with him, and he selected people. How do you go about doing that? This is a process. This is a process of setting apart people, setting apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which they've been called to do, that he called them to do. So calling, spiritual discernment, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's all part of this process, and it begins with P-R-A-Y-E-R, prayer, 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 all right? Uh, you can't see that very well. I'm going to have to redo some of this. Uh, all these things on those arrows point to mission. Mission is where are we today as a church? What is God telling us through prayer? How do we, studying the word of God, what are the principles we live by? Who are the people we have? What are the gifts they have? What are the resources that are here in this church? What is the history in this church? What's the community saying to us? What are some of the needs? That all points to mission. Okay, let's move on. So, here's the premise. If you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. So this time in your church is not hurrying up to find somebody as much as it is, what path are we taking? Where are we headed? Leader's responsibility to set direct direction. Leader's responsibility to inspire confidence. Leader's responsibility to instill hope. But there's more leaders in this church than just four elders. They are. I know. So, the process begins with self-study, a recommitment to God's mission for our congregation, and a careful, prayerful determination of where we need to go as a church. That's all part of the next six to eight months. Okay? Identifying high-quality, high-gifted, High-character candidates, that's the target. Identifying high-quality, high-character, high-gifted candidates. What does that mean? How does that translate? The goal is not quantity of candidates, rather the quality of candidates, and focus on them. So, what do we mean by that? Well, if we just advertise in the Brotherhood papers and put it out at our universities, and people already know there's a vacancy here. They already know. I talked to them. Uh, our network works with every Christian university and a lot of campus ministries, Aggies for Christ. We, we're networked in all of that. 
and, and, who, and so if you just do that, you will get 100 resumes. Anybody have been in HR and sorted through resumes? Coaches know coaches. And when you're looking for a coach, an assistant coach, you call your friends. You're aware of who's been working where. You're aware of who needs to move up. You're aware of who's got skills that fit your needs. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. We're about not telling God what to do or who might be considered or, or choosing for you, but we want not quantity of candidates. We want quality. How do we get quality? Through people that know, through people that have heard. You say, I've got a guy right now that I heard on vacation three years ago. That guy can preach. That guy seems to be a good man. That church is alive. That church, let's contact him. That's great. Contact him. But he'll go through the process just like everybody else. He won't subvert the process. You won't cut it short. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Gerald. I've got that name. I'm working on names. Okay. So the IMP, it's interesting we're called IMPs anyway. The IMP process, interim ministry partners, results in a single candidate recommended to the elders. The search team does all this work. The search team will examine dozens of candidates. Kyle Jones will be the elder liaison for the team to have elder um, oversight and input. Examine dozens of candidates, build deep relationships with a few, and recommend the one candidate they believe God is calling to this church at this time for this mission. Now, what does that not mean? We don't do the beauty contest to find a preacher. Greg Mays, Kristen, I got that right? Greg, can you explain to them what the beauty contest is and isn't? Three or four candidates show up at different times and the church gets to decide who looks the prettiest and who sounds the best. They preach their best sermon. What that does is divide the church. What that does is make the elders in a position to where no matter who they choose, they're not going to satisfy some segment who like the other two guys, the other one guy better. Does that make sense? We're looking for prayer and calling and discernment. You'll have an opportunity as a church to fill out a... I know you love forms and surveys, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. But you'll have an opportunity to give input verbally as well as in written form what the ideal candidate should be that you need. Well, I think we need a preacher that. You fill in the blank. I think we need a preacher that. Fill in the blank. Preachers have personalities. Churches have personalities. Preachers have gifts. Churches have gifts. Okay? So... What we don't do is the beauty contest. We don't do that. There's ways of finding out who a man is. We do background checks on the person. If I have it my way, we do credit checks as well. We do a credit check. We do definitely do background checks. We turn over, help you turn over every possible stone, every possible rock, so, and so that the elders can have confidence that who this man is is who he says he is, and he's got a good track record, he's got a proven record, and in preaching and in ministry, he's a responsible, highly gifted, charactered person. Now, 
Here's my last little statement here. And then I'll let you ask a few questions and we'll move on to some highlights of the survey, which I've had five minutes to do, okay? Um, you're going to get really good candidates. I've already had two guys call me and say, Lamar Avenue is open. I love that church. I think I might be considered fine when it comes time. You can get in the process loop like everybody else. Well, Grady, you and I have been friends. No, nope, I'm not choosing a preacher. Yeah, but Grady, if you, no, back off, Jack. It's not going to happen. This church chooses preacher. This elders, the search team, this is not me choosing your preacher. Does that make sense? I don't want to go away from here six months from now and join the fellowship and all the, I do like fried chicken, by the way. <laughs> all right, black-eyed peas and cornbread. Yeah, I like them. And chow-chow. Anybody know what chow-chow is? All those over 70. All right, now. But here's the thing. I don't want to go away and say, well, the preacher we got is because IMP and that Grady King chose our preacher. All that other stuff was just, that's not true, folks. I will do my best. I don't even want to know who they are. And that inevitably, I, I do because they call me and say, hey, you've been preaching here. Tell me about Lamar Avenue. But I'm very cautious. I'm very, and very, you have to be very confidential. So yesterday, we met with about 20, 25 people that are potential candidates that were invited to this meeting. Candid, not candidates, search team people. You need 12 to 15 on a search team, cross-section of the church that'll do the work. I'll work with the chairman of the team and the search team, and, uh, and the elders will be in that loop through Kyle Jones, and then in the meantime, they'll shepherd the church. All right, I got time for like two minutes of questions, and it'll become more clear. I'll be back here the, the 30th, I'll be here two times a month, and this month I'll be here the weekend of the 29th and 30th, and I'll try to bring my wife, so you'll think, thank God she redeemed him. That is awesome, all right? Questions? Concerns? Let's play ball. All right, here we go. Here we go. Who had a question? I didn't see it. Go ahead. No, the search team has not been finalized. You can talk to any of the elders. There were people invited to it. If you happen to have a passion or think you want to serve, uh, you can look at the, uh, they've got all the information on what it takes, what kind of gifts we need, who we need, and what kind of time. I will tell you, I'm raising the bar high. It is very time-consuming. But the search team has not been finalized. That'll be over the next two to three weeks. That good, great question. Thank you. What's your name? I like Michael. Great question. No dumb question. Any other question, real quickly? All right. Today I'm going to give you the CWI stands for Congregational Wellness Inventory. I'm on, I've got seven slides that highlight it. I'll be back on July 30th for Fifth Sunday Fellowship. Did I say I like fried chicken? Oh, we're having, oh, it's a catered meal, isn't it, Keith? Oh, Keith. I want fried chicken, Keith. No, I'm just kidding. I like barbecue, too. It's fine. So, today I'm just going to give you some highlights that a few people said. Make sure you say this tomorrow. Make sure you say this. This is a good one. But there's like three times as many slides. And on the Fifth Sunday Fellowship, where we're having barbecue and one piece of fried chicken, okay, on that Fifth, fifth Sunday... 
uh, there'll be a more extensive summary that I'll walk you through, and I'll condense it to about 20 to 25 minutes of getting through it, and then field questions after the fellowship's over if you need to get on home, because I know how we are on Sunday afternoons in Paris, Texas. It's God's desire to have a nap every Sunday afternoon for an hour and a half. I mean, that's just the way it works, okay? So here's, real quickly, I've got a few minutes here. Many of you filled out, a matter of fact, a hundred and, somebody read that, 170, I can't read it. Some of you skipped it because you're tired of the survey, but it's okay, it's all right, it happens. See the bigger words? That's the common words that were used when you said, here's some things I appreciate about Lamar Avenue. The common words are fellowship, singing, willingness to help, it's a biggie. This is a serving church. This is a, a group-minded church. It's community, love, friendly. I, I, I will commend you. I walked in, and one, two, three, five people took initiative to speak to me. Most churches think they're really friendly when they're really not. Everybody says, we're, I've never been to a church, regardless of they're hyper-conservative or very liberal, and I've never been to a church yet that didn't think they were friendly. Everybody says we're friendly people. But the truth is, many churches are not very friendly and we're even weaker at inviting people into friendship. Because we've been together so long and we know each other and we talk to ourselves. Many a Sunday I've been a guest preacher and have walked from that front pew after service is over and watched our people huddle in the aisles, talking to one another, laughing, sharing, and I worked my way through people, and no one spoke to me. It happens all the time. Now, I'm, you can tell I'm kind of shy and bashful, so I just introduced myself. But here's the reality. This morning, five people took the initiative to speak to me when I walked in the door, and even the part, I met Charlotte Cannon, no relation to John she, and Patrick, and she said, thank God for that. <laughs> she didn't say that. I'm making that up. But... I, I met really. I met three Charlottes already. I've met, I've met some Judys. I mean, I was really impressed. You were very friendly to me coming in, and that's just Bible class. So I'm looking forward to uh, all the donations during church. Uh, so you got this is the big things about you. You help people, uh, youth program acceptance, uh, love, sing. This all those comments you made is called a word cloud, and that's easier than walking through the comments. Let me move on. All right. Now we do a boy. I got to work on some slides. I usually do better than this. I love a man that speaks the truth. I change it. Oh, just kidding. Uh, I'm really not. Uh, the congregational scale. All the answers you've given are put in a statistical analysis, and it results in a score. Now, a high level of congregational wellness is 54 to 60. 45 to 40, 53, above average wellness. And there's factors for that. We'll get into that over the week. An average level of wellness, improvement is needed. And a low level of church health, the church is at risk. I was in California a few weeks ago, beautiful place. And a church that had 45 on Sunday morning. Their score was very, very low, lower than 20. But they said, I think we're doing okay. And I said... 42 people here on Sunday morning, average age 71, you don't have long as a church. And they looked at me like, but we like each other. I said, okay, do you love the world? 
Here's your score. You ready? Drum roll, please. You're almost at an above average level of wellness. This is a really good score. I do this all the time. I've done five churches since January, different sizes, different parts of the country. New Jersey, Delaware, Florida, California, two in Texas. And I want to tell you, don't, this is a good score, but all data has to be interpreted. Greg Mays wore me out yesterday on this stuff, all right? But it was good, Greg. Thank you. It was good because all data has to be interpreted. This survey you took is a subset of a larger survey. I'm watching our time so we can have a little fellowship time for worship. So I'll just move on. Here's who took it. 230 people participated in the survey. Thank God. What do you notice in the next um, uh, with gender? Thank you, ladies. God bless you. Men? Men don't like surveys. Men don't like that data. Some men, unless you're a banker or in statistics or something you like numbers, unless you're just a math person, but men generally don't like take surveys, especially older men, but it's been helpful to have more men participate, but this is what it is, and there'll be another survey if we discern that. That's a bigger survey. This survey is like, what did I call it yesterday, Greg? Um, it's like going to the doctor to get a checkup. Blood pressure, temperature, you know, let's change your meds. The next survey is blood work. Okay, so we really need a higher participation. But this is an excellent participation for a church this size. I'm, I'm praising you here. So, 70 and older is 22%. I forgot to put it in. I went back and corrected it from yesterday. 70 and older is, I believe, 22%. 60 to 69, 20 people were 46% of the church. You can see the numbers. I don't have to read them to you. I enlarged them for myself. What are the implications of those numbers? We're living longer. Say it. We're older in general. We do have some youth. We do have a good youth program. We do have, you know, you've got uh, 30, age 30 to 49 is 26%. That's 59. That's, that's good. That's a good core. You've got to work on some things, okay? Here we go. Years a member. What does this say? 20 or more years, 44%. Implication? Families, stability, connected. Sometimes we use the word church as family, and it really is code for club. I've been in a church where so many people are related, and somebody that came in there that had nobody at all they weren't related to anybody and they ate they ate thanksgiving alone that a lot of times they didn't feel like they were they were the fifth wheel because everybody's related nobody really needed they had each other so family is really good and we want that and we're grateful for that here's the impl here's the active involvement 99 percent of the people that took the survey come to sunday worship thank god i'll move on this is just Here's the implications. Long-term connections mean stability and support. That's good. Here's the next implication. Time in aware, erodes awareness of. Remember the illustration of the staff member that's been there six months? That's what this is about. It means the longer you're in a church or a system, in a town, in a school, on a team, the longer you're in it, 
the less aware you become of what it's really like, and it takes outside eyes, and it takes other people to tell you, even if you're defensive about it and don't like hearing it. Because I've heard things as a preacher, thinking, I don't need to hear, I don't want to hear that, I need to hear that, I don't like it, it's true, but what am I going to do? i got a choice. Another slide, I'm almost done here. Number one implication, you're an aging church, which may not be all bad because we're living longer. Doesn't mean age, older people can't minister and serve, certainly. You never retire from Jesus until you come home to see him, right? If nothing changes, what do you look like 5, 10, 15 years from now? Second implication, the longer you are a Christian, the less relationships you have with those who are not. You simply hang with Christian people and people that you've always hung with. So if you want to preach the gospel, teach the gospel, you've got to build relationships. If, you, if you've got golfing buddies and you golf, is it just all four of you from the same church golfing? Or could you invite somebody that's a neighbor that maybe doesn't go to church to golf with you? Those kind of things you have to start thinking about. Moving on. There's your mission. 65% believe the church is fairly to largely effective. 28% say very effective. Very good mission. Very good focus. Uh, we needed some work on it. Uh, here's some significant kingdom spiritual missional accomplishments you've seen in your church several to a few to many you can kind of see the numbers there and basically it's a good number that has several that you do things in the community you do things beyond yourself you serve others you you take care of others ministry is your after school program ministry is your compassion and care and benevolence and what you do to help people during crisis the question is can you do that more and more not wait for the crisis? Okay. All right, almost done. This is about your leaders. The question was, when your leaders are criticized, when your leaders are criticized, meaning the elders, most, 67% of you that took the survey said they listen and they learn. 21% said they just simply ignore it when they're criticized. And only 12% said they confront and silence their critics. Now, if you combine it together, 93% of members generally show leaders respect and considerable co cooperation. That's from question 19 I put on this slide to, to, for maximizing space and time. So criticism is most often expected behavior. Effective leaders take stands. They stay calm in the midst of the storm. And they stay connected to those whom they struggle and disagree with. Here's your last slide. What are you going to do the next three or four weeks as church? P-R-A-Y. Pray, pray, pray individually. Pray in groups. Pray, pray, pray for this process. Pray for who God might be shaping to be here. But here's three questions, and I'll send them to you, Jared, and to the elders. Three questions that I think you need to have conversations about at Denny's, at Brahms, in the foyer, in your homes, wherever you're going on vacation together, wherever you're playing ball together, whatever you're doing, Here's three questions you need to have conversations about over the next three to five weeks. First one, at what crossroads does Lamar Avenue find herself at this time in her history? It's a broad, open question. What do you mean by that? Whatever you want it to mean, Greg. At what crossroads? You know what? Two roads merged in a wood. You English teachers, who said that? Come on, you teach Robert Frost. Two roads merged in a wood. In the wood, okay? Now, in the woods. What crossroads? You've got to make a choice. What's your crossroads from your vantage point where we are as a church at this time in our history? Second question, how are you contributing to the problem you're concerned about? 
not you as a church, you as an individual. Well, I think our church needs, I wish we had more, and I can't believe they didn't. Well, let's quit talking about them and they, and let's talk about you. How are you contributing to the very problem you're concerned about? How are you doing that? You're concerned about this? Are you contributing to that problem? Are you part of the solution? Are you part of the problem? Third question, what price are you willing to pay? What price? I don't mean financial only. I mean what price? Time, energy, emotion, commitment, renewal, repentance. What, what price are you willing to pay? Let's pray. And we've got about five minutes before church. Thank you for listening. Covered a lot of ground. If you've got questions, let me know as long as you have fried chicken with you. Lord, I thank you for the life that you've given me in Christ and that you've given us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in this church for its compassion, its kindness, its love, its support, its history. Give us wisdom as we journey together down this road and thank you for who they are and the encouragement they've given me this morning. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen.